So we know that 2023, this very year, will mark several anniversaries when it comes to Sonic the Hitchhawk. We know that in a couple of months, the Archie Sonic comic uh, will mark 30 years since it debuted, uh, basically becoming a mainstream comic outside of its limited miniseries run in the fall of the previous year. We know that later on this year, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic Static Am will celebrate 30 years because they debuted both in 1993 side by side, one in syndication, that being Adventures, Static Am, of course, being Saturday mornings on ABC. We also know that also around that same time will mark 10 years since the continuity as we knew it in the Archie Sonic comic was resetted or softly resetted, if you will, to be more streamlined and easier to kind of uh, digest from a story and character uh, perspective. However, speaking of that 10-year anniversary, that is something that ties into what I'm going to talk about here. Because you see, as we speak right now, January 2023, and last month, December 2022, and into February and March of this year, will mark 10 years, or is marking 10 years, since the Endangered Species Arc happened. Now, it's a sub-arc, actually, within the main arc, which I, can, which I call, and have called at times, the Mecha Sally World Tour II Death Egg Mark II arc. But yeah, Endangered Species was a four-part sub-arc, or subplot, that coincided within the main story, alongside, as well, the Sonic Universe story that I think they were going with at the time, featuring the Secret Freedom Fighters. But why do I bring this up as being a 10-year anniversary? Well, it's a 10-year anniversary that not many people like to celebrate because it marked the end of the stories as we knew them. It marked the end of the comic as we knew it due to the -the behind-the-scenes issues legally with Ken Penders, which, if I'm going to be honest, I think caught a lot of people off guard. They really did. And if you want to know what I mean by catching everybody off guard, let me put it to you like this. You're watching something, right, on television. You're watching something on television, and let's say it's your favorite show, your favorite crime drama or sci-fi drama, whatever. And the final episode of the current season ends on a cliffhanger. And you're expecting the next season to conclude that cliffhanger where it left off, nothing, with nothing changed or anything, right? But when you get to that conclusion, suddenly you notice that things have changed, that they're acting like nothing's uh, happened. And you find out that maybe a few years have passed, or something occurred that you know, really is throwing things out of whack, that's basically what happened you know, at the beginning here, starting with the likes of endangered species. Now, you see, the ramifications of the lawsuit actually began a lot earlier than that. You know, I was talking about the tie-in story of Sonic Universe featuring the Secret Freedom Fighters. And two of the members there were the Wolf Twins, Lita, that's L-E-E-T-A, and her twin sister, Lyco, which is L-Y-C-O. And basically, the reason they're all a part of this, if you will, is because several issues before Endangered Species, 
Sonic, Sally, I mean, it's not, it's not, well, I want to say Sally, but Sonic, Tails, and Amy um, went to the Wolfpack Nation to save Lupe, the high uh, priestess, chief, if you will, chiefess of the Wolfpack from being legionized thanks to being captured by the roboticized Mecha Sally. And it was during this journey that they encountered the Wolf Twins. Now, originally, Ian Flynn, and this has already been documented, documented and everything through various interviews and notes taken and revealed, Ian Flynn intended for Sonic and his friends to meet up not with the Wolf Twins, but with Hershey the Cat or Hershey St. John, Jeffrey's wife. Because she had gone off missing, and Jeffrey, as we saw in the main comic before then, thought she had died. But in fact, as we found out through those various notes, actually went undercover as a legionnaire to find out more information to bring back to the Kingdom of Acorn and to the Freedom Fighters and the Secret Service so that they can have a heads up on Eggman. But because of the legality, that didn't happen, and Hershey was replaced with the Wolf Twins. Now you might say, okay, fine. You know, if he wants to take Hershey out, that's fine, because as we also found out from Ken himself, if you want to believe it, Hershey was actually based on his real-life cat of the same name. But, be that as it may, it didn't stop there. And it really started to amp up when we got to Endangered Species. Because Endangered Species had a lot of significant changes happen to it. I mean, the first issue was basically the last time you would see Linda and the Dark Legion and Remington. Uh, and I think Julie Sue to an extent. Uh, part two would be the last time you would even hear Julie Sue in any shape, form, or fashion. You know... You know, part three was changed up significantly when you look at the covers, and the same with part four. All because of the legality that happened behind the scenes, thanks to Ken Penders, which, like I said, excuse me there, in all honest opinion, I truly believe caught a lot of people off guard. But if you're wondering exactly what the issues were, in case you haven't been paying attention, and I'm sure a lot of you have, what were the issues? What was the behind-the-scenes reasonings that caused endangered species to become so infamous within the spectrum of the entire Sonic comic, even though it's supposed to be a subplot within the overall uh, arc at that time, which was the, plain and simply, Mecha Sally arc? Well, thanks to SonicFandom.com, the wiki, uh, archisonic.fandom.com the wiki if you will or one of the wikis out there for the comic I got some background information I combined a lot of the background information from all the issues that they would talk about to kind of give you a better idea give you a good context as to what happened to cause all these changes and I'll let you know about that in a moment All right. Now, I, like I said, I printed out a lot of the background information from all the issues. And if you want evidence that I did, yeah, um, I got the papers in my hand right now. Now, according to the background information, again provided credit to archisonic.fandom.com for this. And I'm sure you can find it at other sources, too. But this is what the background information is. And I quote, 
This issue, which is basically 243 of you know December 2012, which was 10 years, which was 10 years ago last month. This is what it says, and I quote: "This issue, or as I put it, story arc, or sub arc." Okay, let me rewind that. Okay, let me reread that. <clears throat> this issue. This is the background information. <clears throat> this issue, or sub arc officially began the behind-the-scenes chain of events that would lead to the Archie Sonic universe being rebooted. Um, due to the legal battles between Archie Comics and former head writer Ken Penders. This issue contains several pieces of rewritten dialogue done so to avoid referring to certain characters and concepts being directly referred to by scene. One can even tell which pieces were rewritten as the font in several speech bubbles changed from the standard font seen throughout the rest of the issue. In some cases, the change even occurs in mid-sentence, implying last-minute changes to the pages themselves. Some of these rewrites include referring to the Dark Legion as Eggman's Army or of Eggman's or Eggman's troops or calling Avalon the Echidna homeland. Let me reread that and I quote... <clears throat> This issue, subarc, officially began the behind-the-scenes chain of events that would lead to the Archie uh, Sonic Universe being rebooted due to the legal battles between Archie Comics and former head writer Ken Penders. The issue contains several pieces of rewritten dialogue done so to avoid referring to certain characters and concepts being directly referred to by name. One can even tell which pieces were rewritten as the font in several uh, speech bubbles changed from the standard font seen throughout the rest of the issue, in which some cases the change even occurs in mid-sentence, implying last-minute changes to the pages themselves. Some of these rewrites include referring to the Dark Egg Legion as Eggman's Army of or Eggman's Troops, or calling Avalon the Echidna Homeland. So yeah, basically, if you were to read that issue right now, and you were to, for the first time that is, and you were to see a difference in the font, you know, you too would be raising an eyebrow going like, what the heck is going on? Well, this is why. Because basically because of the legality. Now, I will provide this if I can in the description. You guys can look at it yourself. Continuing on, and I quote, This issue, or this arc, marks the final appearances of the following characters before being removed from the series by the Super Genesis Wave. Linda, Lala Lee, which is uh, Knuckles' mom, uh, Remington, the overall echidna population of Abilin, or Abalon, the echidna DEL troops. So yeah, basically we do see Knuckles' mom in there, Lala Lee, and we do see Linda, who is the leader of the Dark Egg Legion. And this is the last time they would be seen. Now continuing on. The arc introduces a new opening to the comic and continues onward with the series. Instead of Welcome to the Planet Mobius, it is now Welcome to Sonic's Comic Book Adventures. Now, I don't know why they had to remove that since, you know, Ken doesn't own the word Mobius, but be that as it may. Uh, however, we do get some explanation. It says, and I quote, This is due to the new Sega mandate that the name Mobius no longer be used in the series. 
Well, some could say it's a Sega mandate. Some could say it's something that was made. It's a mandate made up by Ian Flynn and all that to cover all bases. But hey, what are you going to do? But yeah, let me reread this last. Let me reread this first page uh, once more so you guys can get better context. And I do apologize if I sound like I'm repeating my I'm repeating myself here. It's just how I do things when I do when I do recordings, audio on camera, unfiltered and unscripted. But this is what it says, and I quote: "The arc, or this arc, officially sub arc that is." This sub-arc officially began the behind-the-scenes chain of events that would lead to the Archie Sonic uh, universe being rebooted due to the legal battles between Archie Comics and former head writer Ken Penders. The issue contains several pieces of rewritten dialogue done so to avoid referring to certain characters and concepts being directly referred to by name. One can even tell which pieces were rewritten as the font in several speech bubbles changed from the standard font seen throughout the rest of the issue. In some cases, the change even occurs in mid-sentence, implying last-minute changes to the pages themselves. Some of these rewrites include referring to the Dark Egg Legion as Eggman's Army or calling Avalon uh, the Echidna Homeland. Uh, this arc marks the final appearance of the fi- following characters before being removed from the series due to the Super Genesis wave, that being Linda, La Lee, Remington, the overall Echidna population of Abilene, or Avalon, and the Echidna DEL troops. This arc introduces a new opening to the comic and continues onward with the series, Ares. Instead of Welcome to the Planet Mobius, it is now Welcome to Sonic's Comic Book Adventures. This is due to Sega mandate that the name Mobius no longer be used in the series. Now, again, like I said, some can look at it as a Sega mandate. Some can look at it as a mandate Ian Flynn made up and said it was Sega's idea. Whatever you want to believe, you know, these were some of the changes. And I think if it was a Ian Flynn idea and said it was Sega's idea for the mandate for Mobius to no longer be used to refer to Sonic's world as, it was, in my opinion, I think it's Ian Flynn's way of trying to cover all the bases. Just my opinion. Now, continuing on, and I quote, The part of the ending where Knuckles gets a distress from Remington uh, was previously shown at the end of the previous, uh, a preview, a previous issue. Let me reread that, continuing on here. The part of the ending where Knuckles gets a distress from Remington was previously shown at the end of the previous issue as well, although a couple of words were altered. Specifically, Remington mentions Eggman's troops instead of the dark egg egg before being cut off by the interference, clearly due to the aforementioned rewritten to remove or rewrites to remove certain terms. Let me reread that. And I quote, The part of the ending when Knuckles gets a distress from Remington was previously shown at the end of the previous issue as well, although a couple of words are altered. Specifically, Remington mentions Eggman's troops instead of the Dark Egg before being cut off by the interference, clearly due to the aforementioned rewrites to remove certain terms. Continuing on, There exist speculations among fans that the female squad commander who fights beside Remington is his former assistant, Tara Lou, but this was never confirmed in the comic as the commander never was addressed by name. 
And, you know, fans will speculate what they want. And I think Ian Flynn may have confirmed that or not later on. I'm not really sure. Continuing on here. This issue, or this arc, I should say, since I combined all the background information together, uh, this arc continues the behind-the-scenes chain of events that began in the last issue due to Ken Pender's lawsuit, leading to the Archie's Sonic Universe reboot, this time to a much more drastic degree. Let me reread that. This is referring to, I think, the one where we see big-time changes, which I think is around Part 2 or Part 3. Mostly Part 3, I believe. Yeah. This is Part 3, basically, they're referring to. And I quote, uh, this arc continues the behind-the-scenes chain of events that began in the last issue due to the Ken Penders lawsuit, leading to the Archie Sonic Universe's reboot, this time to a much more drastic degree. The story, get this, this is part three uh, of Endangered Species. The story was entirely rewritten. The story jumps considerably further ahead from the events at the end of the previous issue. All the echidna characters besides Knuckles were written out of the story off-panel, as well as Saffron B, all whom were created by Penders, thus thus totally changing the direction of the whole arc. The original preview cover for this issue, or for one of the issues, uh, the third part basically, let me rephrase that. The original cover for the third part featured Julie Sue posing next to Amy Rose at the bottom right. Julie Sue was removed from the final cover. So yeah, Julie Sue, and I'm sure you'll see it up here on the screen, you know, side by side or before or after the finalized cover, was supposed to be posing next to uh, Amy Rose at the bottom right-hand corner. But because of what happened, she had to be removed. Now, continuing on, and I quote, As revealed by Aaliyah Baker, the original version of the arc would have debuted a new design for Saffron B, who the former had designed along with a redesign of Hershey the Cat. She also revealed that Saffron would have played a significant role in the arc. So yeah, Charmy's fiance, girlfriend, would have played a big role here. Continuing on, and I quote, According to Ian Flynn, the Krazud, the Krazud, which inhabited Metal Knuckles, had no involvement in the original version of the story. Although Julie Sue was physically removed from this, uh, uh, okay, let me, let me uh, reread this. I'm moving around the house here while I'm reading this. I do apologize. So I have to look at, make sure I get some plenty of light. I, I got to make sure I get plenty of light here. I do apologize. Okay, continuing on, I quote. Although Julie Sue was physically removed from the issue, she still has a presence in Knuckles' flashback via voice communication. This essentially marks the final time Julie Sue is present in any way, shape, or form in the series. This is Trash's first appearance since he debuted in Sonic Universe number 11, as well as his first appearance in the main Sonic issues. The editorial commentary suggests that the Avalon Echidnas may have been sent to the Twilight Cage, specifically asking, could they be in the company of the long-absent Brotherhood? Originally, the issue's cover did not have uh, green vines covering the cables that were in Saring... Okay, let me reread that. I'm, I'm kind of reading too fast here. I do apologize. Kind of mumbling, mixing up my words. I do apologize. 
But it says, and I quote, originally the uh, fourth part, uh, the part fourth cover, originally part fourth cover, did not have green vines covering the cables that were ensnaring Sonic. They were added to emphasize the Kurzoo now being part of the ongoing story, in light of the legal matters that developed during the arc's production. Cover artist Tracy Yardling posted the original cover uh, inks of this issue on his DeviantArt account, revealing that it was meant to include Linda ensnaring Sonic with her whips instead of the Kurzoo vines. According to Ian Flynn, and here's what's really interesting, Shard, who was the former pseudo-Sonic, or former Mechasonic, or pseudo-Sonic, the one that could turn good, Shard played no role in the original version of the story. That's according to Ian Flynn. Continuing on. This issue, or the fourth part, marks the final, uh, final on-panel appearance of Trash before the retcon. This marks the final appearance of Avalon in the series. Knuckles and Thrash both have no dialogue throughout the whole issue dis- despite appearing prominently. It is known that the majority of the story had to be altered due to behind-the-scenes issues. On the subject of how the story was originally supposed to play out, Ian Flynn has at least gone on to confirm that neither Shard nor the Kurzoo hybrid Hydra were originally intended to appear in the arc, or basically in the story, in the sub-arc, subplot, period. Continuing on, Sonic refers to Shard as the original Mecha Sonic in this issue. This was the name originally used for Metal Sonic uh, version 1.0 during the first appearance in Sonic 25 and later for its 2.0 model in the Knuckles Chaotix uh, special, with every other model therefore being referred to as Metal Sonic, both to match the games and because Mecha has since become the name designated for Sonic's roboticized form. The fact that metal was originally referred to as Mecco has something that, or was something that had been retconned in later issues, but this was, uh, but this has apparently been uh, been retconned in this issue, according to Ian Flynn. Mechasonic is used to refer to the original robot created by the original Dr. Robotnik to differentiate from the current Eggman line. Flynn later, uh, Flynn later on. Uh, okay, Flynn later went on to state that this was done so to get around Sega's recent mandates that only one Metal Sonic can exist in the series. And like I said, I will um, I will basically put this all together in the description as best I can. If not, I will scan them and then you guys can kind of read it um, yourself as best you can um, as well but yeah Uh, but yeah basically as I try to piece them all together here um, but yeah basically you know that that background information that I just read to you and I know it may have sounded like a, a lot and I do apologize for that just take your time with this as best you can pause and whenever because you're also going to get an audio podcast of this too um but yeah but yeah basically uh basically all this information here pretty much tells you everything or at least gives you an idea of everything that went down behind the scenes that caused a lot of the bs to happen the way it did 
I mean, if you look, like I say, if you look at these issues of the subplot uh, that takes place before 247, which leads into the world's collide deal, a world's, uh, yeah, world's collide deal uh, with, Me- uh, with Sonic and Mega Man, again, you will notice, you know, that you know, the font is completely different. It is completely different than what's originally, in te- that's originally seen in a lot of the issues. And that's mainly because of the fact, that's mainly because of the fact that, you know, Ken Penders' lawsuit caused a lot of chaos behind the scenes. But you know what's crazy? You know what's crazy? This is not, this is not the first time, um, you know, dialogue had to be rewritten. It's not the first time, you know, because if you go back, and you and I'll put it in the I'll put it at the end of the video so you guys can check it out. If you go back to, or if you go and watch, I should say, go back and watch, or go and watch for the first time, Cyberpunk Jordan's uh, take on 150. He talks about, and I've even talked about it too, that Pacific scene with you know Son, uh, with Bunny and who she thought and who we thought at the time was Sonic, but it's actually evil Sonic in disguise. Opposing as Sonic. Um, Cyberpunk Jordan and others like the like uh, those of the Thank You Ken Penders Tumblr blog, if you will, have pointed out that the font after Sonic and after Bunny and Sonic, quote unquote, wake up from their nap. It looks like it's completely changed, like something got altered, something got taken out and had to be replaced. But what was it? What was it that had to be replaced? What was it that had to be removed? And a lot of people imply, and Ken Pendus himself basically doesn't hide it, you know, in his responses sometimes, that pretty much that scene with a waking up from the nap, you know, indicates that Bunny and Sonic, quote-unquote, actually evil Sonic, who would later on be Scourge, um, that they basically did it. They did the thing. And because basically it's implied that they did it, the dialogue originally, you know, might have, you know, uh, indicated at that, but then had to be changed had to be changed to be like, oh, it's a nap, and it's not what you think. So, so yeah, it's not the first time, but it is probably the most significant time that it's ever happened. Because we're not just talking one little panel in an issue, no. Or one little scene in a panel in an issue, no. We're talking an entire an entire. Uh, sub arc, subplot, if you will. Uh, I guess you could say intriguing, important part, if you want to look at it that that way as well, to the overall story. You know, being basically rewritten and you know uh, rewritten, re-edited, you know, cut and stuff. We're talking an entire freaking arc. And I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this right now. If Ian Flynn, and I say this with all due respect to the guy, if Ian Flynn had any notion or any inkling this was happening, you know, behind the scenes with Penders, then why even do the story? Why even do it? 
Why not just say, look, what I originally planned to happen, I cannot do, so I got this alternative for you. Now, I know people might say, well, he probably didn't have time to do it. And you might be right. You might be right. But still, it makes you wonder. It makes you curious that if Ian knew in any capacity that things were changing, why didn't he just say, hey, I'm pulling the plug on the endangered species, or I'm going to rewrite it so that basically it's still the same story, but we avoid all the legal nonsense until things get straightened out. Why couldn't he do that? Why couldn't he do that? I'm just saying. But be that as it may, be that as it may, 10 years ago, this story arc, or this subplot, if you will, in the overall Mechasali arc, was the biggest in-your-face, you know, you know, middle finger to the fans that you could ever get. And it definitely showed that Ken Penders didn't really care about anybody but himself. Now, like I said, people would point out, well, he had a right to get what he wanted, compensation, royalties. Yeah, yeah, he did at that time. But if what we found out, and I've talked about this too previously uh, in other videos and podcasts, if what we found out later on is true in any you know sense of the matter, Ken lied, basically. Ken basically lied 10 years ago. He lied... And now, because of that possible revelation, a lot of people, when they look back at endangered species and everything, and even look back at that one issue where Hershey was originally supposed to meet up with Sonic and Amy and Tails and not the Wolf Twins, now, you know, even considering that revelation of, oh, he lied about having complete ownership over Julie Sue, Linda, and all them, it makes looking back at this arc and moments like what I just mentioned with the issue that came out prior to that, prior to the sub arc, even more infrustrating, even more infamous, even more, you know, irritating to read, to go back and read and try to enjoy knowing that, you know, Ken may have lied about owning the rights to these characters and that we could have had the stories we originally wanted. Or was originally planned. But that didn't happen. That didn't happen because Ken couldn't help himself. Ken couldn't help himself. Now you might say, well, it all began because somebody from BioWare came up to a panel when he was away, talked to his family to try to see what information they could get to do Sonic Chronicles. And look, that might be true. That might have been what kick-started it. That might have been what kickstarted it, but Ken didn't have to take it as far as he did. He could have sat down or got on the phone, talked with somebody, emailed, if you will, and said, look, you know, I don't know what's going on here, but somebody approached my family asking about information and everything when it comes to Sonic, wanting to talk to me, da-da-da. And all of a sudden, I'm hearing things about this new game coming out that has a story arc with characters similar to mine. You know, all he had to do was sit down and talk to people and say, hey, something screwy is going on here and I want to settle this right now. I want to straighten things out right now so that we have no problems in the future. That's all he had to do. That's all he had to do. But the way he did it, though, 
in my opinion, my honest opinion, caught everybody off guard. It really did. Yes, did Archie not have the documentation they needed, you know, in a way that would help them succeed in retaining the characters for the long term? You know, was it their fault they didn't have that? Yes, but I think again it's because they were caught off guard, and I think this is a, and I think what happened is it became a major lesson for them to always make sure they have documentation, various copies of documentation, you know, in case anything else happens in the long run. But, but be that as it may, you know, we have to look back now and realize, you know, that. This this arc kickstarted something that you know some would say was a silver lining with the soft retcon reboot or reboot whatever you want to call it. You know it kind of kickstarted that silver lining, but others will also look at it as something that didn't really need to uh, you know go the way that it did. Had Ken not just talked things out and explained the situation as to why he was doing it. And again, like I said, people will look at it now and realize, hey, he didn't have to do this at all because he wasn't telling the truth. If that, revel- if that revelation is true to a, to a point, which it sounds like day by day it is. And, you know, it's just, it's just frustrating to even think, think along those lines. But you know what I'm thankful for, though? I'm thankful for places like Archie Sonic Online. I'm thankful for them because they're taking what notes and information they've gotten from Ian Flynn and those that have worked on the comic around this time, and they're rolling with it by giving us stories that pretty much feel like they were originally meant to be the stories in the official comic before the whole, you know, crapola situation occurred. And I, and I like that. I really do. I like that. I really do. But, but, from an official capacity though, you know, it's just one of those moments when you look back on it 10 years later and it's still, still kind of nerve-wracking, if you know what I mean. I mean, there's several panels that were posted online, several panels that were posted online. I don't know if I still have them somewhere or not, but there were several panels uh, posted online. That were post that were supposed to be in this supposed to be in endangered species, but never were, because of what happened behind the scenes. So, it's just one of those situations, guys, to where I hope we never have to go through something like this again. I pray IDW Sonic has doesn't have to go through something like this ever again, because if they do. You know, the question is going to be like, okay, if they got to go, if they're going to go through it or something similar to this, then what's the point of even doing a Sonic comic if you can't even utilize characters that people are going to say, oh, I own this character, I own that character, da da da. da. What's the point? There is none. Uh, but again, the the av- the the frustrating the you know so the aggregating kind of thing about it. Is when you think about, is when you hear, like I said, about the news, you know, that Ken may have lied about the entire situation. He may have lied, you know, about owning, you know, the rights to the characters. 
That makes it even more frustrating. That makes it even more upsetting. Because, like I said, you now realize we could have had the stories as they were originally meant to be. But thanks to the fact that he may have lied and made it sound like he was telling, telling the truth to an extent, that's, we just have to deal with what we got. We just have to deal with what we got. And you know what's crazy? Is when I hear Ian Flynn say the, the Krasud and Shard were not originally meant to be uh, you know, in the story and that Saffron was going to play a bigger part. You know, it, it's almost it, it, it's almost like basically what Ken did screwed up everything. Because if Saffron B was supposed to be, play a bigger part, was she going to be the one that maybe helped restore Sally or figured out, okay, use this, it'll restore Sally? Who knows? But because of what he did, we'll never, for try, for never find out the answer. Never. But, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, ten years later, thinking about it, realizing that he, Ken Penders may have lied about having ownership, it really just makes it so more aggregating av- and frustrating that, again, I'm thankful for Archie Sonic Online being there and opening the door to allow us to have basically a decent continuation of what could have been you know, the uh, true endangered species uh, arc or sub-arc than what we got. But let me know what your guys' thoughts are. I know I sound like I rambled here. I do apologize. I will provide the background information in the description box. Check it out. I think you will thoroughly enjoy it. And I will try, if you can't, if I don't do that, I will try to post, excuse me, I will try to post all of that up here um, as as well, excuse me again, for you guys to um, check out. But let me know what your thoughts are, guys. Comment below. Live chat during during the premiere. You will get, like I said, an audio podcast of this on my BW Roses Discussions podcast. And until next time, guys, support me over at Venmo at Brian-Warmer-2, Cash App at BW Roses 98. And until next time, I am out.